0: You're listening to the podcast Outlander Soul, searching for the soul of Outlander with me, Reverend Terry Menifee Gao. And me, Dr. Jamie Reeves. Just a quick word before we get started. There will be spoilers here. As we talk about the entirety of the Outlander book series, meaning all eight existing main books, plus short stories and the novellas, we will mention significant and not-so-significant plot developments throughout the series. We could do an entire episode on whether or not this series can be spoiled, but if you haven't finished it yet and want to discover the drama as it unfolds for yourself, we suggest finishing the series ASAP, (laughs) as if you need someone to encourage you to do that, and then come back to listen to this podcast. Either way, we'll be happy to have you. And now, to the episode. Right, we're back. Welcome to Outlander Soul. So this is episode four. So what we're trying to do here and what we hope is that we can engage the the Outlander community, the the fandom and, and those who are just now tuning in because you're wondering what this is, in a deeper conversation of about faith and about theology
1: and about spirituality in in the series of Outlander. Wow, yeah. And we, as we've said in previous episode, we're both theologians from the Christian tradition, but this is an inclusive place and we're interested to hear from everybody about how Outlander might have shaped your own experiences and how you think about the world Mm -hmm. and what you think about God. And and yeah, over the next few, or over the episodes remaining, as we go along, we'll, we'll continue to unpick that for ourselves. And hopefully once we start getting some feedback from people, be able to insert your own ideas too so a recap as far as what we've done the last couple episodes so we talked about romance as a genre and how it's unfairly it is not taken as seriously as it should do because it tends to be stuff that is written by women for women so there's a feminist aspect there that we've taken in the sense of hey that's important. Yeah. Let's take that seriously. <laughs> and then uh, we also had to talk about theology of romance or relational theology that is based in love and relationship, and that is subversive and powerful. And we see Outlander as embodying that that theology in a really strong way. So, Terry, yeah. what else do we need to know before we go into today's episode where we focus just on Outlander? Yeah.
0: Well, okay. So we talked about traditional marriage, right? The traditional marriage myth about marriage being this, the bridegroom as Christ or as God coming for the bride who is us. And, you know, that creates a power differential. And romance literature has been the parable, the the subversive story that creates inclusions for gender-different relationship. And it actually removes the power differential by putting the woman's power in her own hands for her own happiness. And so mm. let's look a little mm. bit at some of the devices. So now we're going to be talking a little bit about Outlander specifically and how Outlander the series fits in the genre of the romance tradition and of the romance literature. So, if you're looking at traditional genre of romance literature, what are the usual devices that you find in a
1: romance novel? What makes it a romance? Uh, it, there's usually the protector, villain, deep or dark, dangerous hero type. So, you know, like hyper masculine. <laughs> Yeah, he's the alpha male. Yeah. Yes, yeah. he's yeah. Fabio on the cover. He's never hairy. Uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> Some people like hairy. Come on.
1: <laughs> I know they do. I know they do. But the, I, I, I'm I, sure there are examples out there, and you can send us pictures if you like. But um, <laughs> There's... I can't think of one single romance oh, no. novel cover where he has hair. No, no, no. But, but he's yeah. got the ripply muscles. Uh, oh, hair on his chest. I mean, he, he's got hair. Oh, he's got loads of hair on the top of his head, but yes. never on his <laughs> chest. Because, hey, you won't see those pecs or abs. Yeah. But, he, but he's dark. Yeah, yeah 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 so this hyper masculine hyper fit you know yeah body. yeah yeah yeah. so this dark dangerous He's very dangerous who might live above or gives no regard for the law that kind of person a law and to himself yeah. maybe i should say oftentimes they're wealthy yeah so that's the first yeah, thing Yeah, they're very very powerful and then you
0: have yeah. as the generally as the center of the story this strong heroine who is also a virgin Mm. So let's talk about the virgin. Right. <laughs> Most, uh, now, now, now yeah. in the last 20 years or so, you've seen a lot of romance novels escape the virgin trope. And and actually, yeah. there, there are yeah. lots of tropes out there for a widowed virgin. I'm not kidding.
1: Oh, <laughs> wow. Kidding. How's that possible? Oh, well, so oh either I don't um, want to know. I, actually, actually, yeah. She's become re virginized <laughs> within the Christian tradition growing up, the conservative Christian tradition, I should say. We were taught that, yeah, if you had made a mistake and you had had sex outside of marriage, that it was because possible that's for God to heal you and make you a virgin again somehow, some way. I have no idea how, but that, yes, you would become re virginized. Um, so it is possible that you could still fulfill the virgin. <laughs> myth even though you might have had sex when you were a teenager and then you um, start singing so yeah, like yeah. a virgin oh, <laughs> But for the
0: very first time. Just for the very first time. Oh God. Lord. Oh yeah. God, oh God. Okay. Oh, no, 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 actually there are. I, I, I was reading, and I've not read these novels yet, but I was reading in uh, Maya Rodell's book, Dangerous Book for Girls: The Bad Reputation of Romance Novels Explained. Yeah, that there is this entire trope of the widowed virgin. So, so what happens is she gets married. Oh, gosh. So it's, it's it's a lot like you know, she gets married. And then her husband somehow dies before they consummate the marriage, or she marries and didn't realize. Oh, right. She didn't that so she it's was, not a
1: re-virgini- no, re-virginization no, he really, really is a situation. It's a she never consummated to right, begin with. Right, because he either oh. is impotent. Or he or married
0: her because, you know, he, he felt sorry for her, but he would never... T- as a favor to, to her dad, and he actually liked men. Well, yeah, that could be one as well. Yeah. Um, that would be... Yeah, that would be an interesting... Yeah, I'm sure that's been done yeah. a thousand times. And, and then there's the one where he marries her to be kind so that she can use his library. And I'm like, where the hell is that coming from? Because... <laughs> I don't know any man
1: except, you know, many well, he's of my out there, ma- Put that on your, your Tinder profile. I like, am looking for someone so I can use his library. <laughs> but we're not having sex, even though we got married. <laughs> so, no, no, no. So, no, absolutely not. So,
0: uh, I want a man for his library. <laughs> but the size matters. So we Size
1: does right, matter. Let me library, tell you, yeah, it
0: does. It better be big, man, and 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 broad. <laughs> <laughs> and and the books had better ripple.
1: That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yep. Oh my gosh! Yep. Oh, I'm getting warm. Oh god! Oh, anyway. just going down the drain here. <laughs> yeah, know. we are. Anyway,
0: so the the idea of the Virgin is very mythic. I mean, so we've got the Virgin Mary. We've got virgins throughout the Old Testament. You've got Jephthah's daughter, the virgin, who sacrifices herself yeah. For, yeah. for him. And so, but, but in this instance, in this romance heroine mm-hmm. as the virgin, it, it really doesn't have anything to do with the value of her virginity. Because, you know, prior to the 20th century and into the 20th century, a woman's virginity was pretty much the only thing that she could bargain with. This was her collateral, right. The, uh, right the men wanted a virgin so they could ensure their lineage as as if mm-hmm. they could, because it, it it begs the question, what does it mean to be a virgin right? I it, it only yeah. Is it only penis vaginal sex that makes you a virgin mm-hmm. and 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 they would they would have mm-hmm. checks on women before powerful men married them. and I'm still questioning exactly how they knew. Because honestly, there are ways to fake it in lots of different ways. So if she'd had sex, anal sex, that's not going to necessarily mean that she's a virgin or does it? If she had oral Mm. sex, if she Mm. had sex with her girlfriend... Mm you know so so mm-hmm. the, these are
1: and the role and the role of rape right. as well like you know what if it was a, an issue where you weren't it was not consenting you but you're obviously you're still punished for you're that absolutely. because then you're no absolutely. longer absolutely um, and so yeah. and so
0: this is this is kind of the the questions that come mm-hmm. up when we talk about this virginal Heroine. In, in reading Maya Rodell and, and, and her book, it's the romance heroine's virgin state isn't purely about whether or not she's had sex. It's not because romance writers are reinforcing mm-hmm. this idea that virgins are more valuable than the soiled women that mm-hmm. we are, or, or that heroes mm-hmm. actually care about mm-hmm. the level of sexual experience um, and that they want to be her first, last, and only. Mm-hmm. It's, it's that the idea mm-hmm. of, of the heroine giving up her virginity. And giving in to her virginity, it signifies mm. that she's waking up.
1: Ah, uh, so it's this, ah, oh, the awakening, yeah. right. Yeah, okay. the, 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 the
0: romance yeah. is about this woman waking up. And so she's, it, it's it's the sleeping mm. beauty myth, right?
1: Mm. It's the sleeping
0: mm-hmm. beauty myth of mm-hmm. this beautiful woman who's, Who's preserved under glass and behind barbed wire
1: mm-hmm.
0: and and the man comes mm-hmm. and then kisses her and wakes her up. Okay?
1: Yeah. Or sleepwalking through yes. your
0: life and yes. whatever form or fashion
1: yes. and then bam. That's the, sleep- there that's it the sleeping is. beauty. You're, you're that's yeah. the sleeping beauty
0: myth. The other yeah. thing you'll get from a romance as far as device is that the man is not complete without the woman. But the woman can be complete without him. The woman was perfectly fine. Mm. And she can Mm. and does walk away from the relationship Mm. at least once or twice in in the room. Otherwise, it's not fun Mm. getting to the Mm -hmm. climax of all of this.
1: Yeah, I'm thinking about of all the all the times in the romance novels I read when I was a kid where, you know, she gets so angry and she storms off in a huff and she's usually barefoot. And then she yes. (laughs) <laughs> and then she sort of finds herself in this position where she's like, shit, what have I done?
0: <laughs> and she has to be rescued. And then he comes and rescues her even though she's turned yeah. him away. This is very Jane Austen. I mean, this is very Pride and Prejudice. How many times, yeah, how many yeah, yeah. times does Elizabeth yeah. Bennet spurn Mr. Darcy? She yeah. she, she says, no, no, yeah. no, 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 no. And then she goes to visit mm-hmm. his house and goes, mm-hmm. damn, this is a great house. Gee, I think I love it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and you know her contrarian sort of attitude and once she's told she can't like him any, or you know it's not possible for her to love him then she's like watch me <laughs> exactly <laughs> she does it anyway but she walks away she so, walks away over yeah, and over again yeah.
0: from him and and hurts him over and over mm. even though she doesn't think he's capable of that mm. so and then she tames him because he is mm-hmm. a beast of a man. And, and, and it, most of these other mm-hmm. novels, you've got abusive men. You've got men who mm-hmm. um, have just never been tamed by another woman. Men who, are, who, who sleep with anything with two legs and, or more. And the woman mm-hmm. actually teaches this man how to love in a way that he's never experienced. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. she domesticates him. Like an animal. And then he only wants to be with her. So she almost creates this this, this power differential as well. He mm-hmm. cannot possess her. She possesses him. Mm-hmm. And he willingly lets this happen. Yeah.
1: But, I, okay, so I see that as part of, you know, the, the traditional romance genre. I get that. And we see that in some ways in Outlander, which we'll talk about in a minute. But I can also see how that is that's really dangerous too yeah. um, just because <laughs> we within you know within feminist circles we see how we've been taught this myth of if you can if you can only get him to do x or you know it's your job to heal him or it's your job to make sure that he's okay or you know, i'm just thinking of all the ways in which people justify staying in a domestic abusive Absolutely. relationship in order to keep a man or he d- no one understands him like i right. do or you know it's just all these different ways in which we justify staying in a- in relationships that we should run the hell away from because we're trying to perpetuate this myth that we can domesticate him or, that we can make him into something yeah. he's not
0: or or the woman or man who consistently seeks out the bad boy mm. trying to reform and they and they yeah. go through series yeah. of these relationships with yeah. with bad boy or or bad girl or to 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 try to replicate they they're looking for that alpha whether it's a, a gender neutral alpha mm. that's out there that's true. Yeah, that yeah. are trying yeah, you do to you it the other way around too. Yeah. That yeah. they're trying to duplicate this kind of relationship, and and, and here's where the myth is. So yeah. this is written by Jane Ann Krentz in the in a book uh, called Dangerous Men and Adventurous Women, and it's a, a series of articles written by uh, romance writers. Fantastic book. Readers understand that the books celebrate female power, and and I'm all for that. The woman in these mm-hmm. stories always wins with courage, which with is the, a myth. Which is a myth because <laughs> this is not always true. But with courage, intelligence, and gentleness, she brings the most dangerous creature on earth, the human male, to his knees. More than that, she forces Mm -hmm. him to acknowledge her power as a woman. This is not everybody's experience. No. And, and that's no. Im- important <laughs> to understand all. is that this is not mm. everybody's experience. Is that oftentimes women do not win in relationships, and men are not mm-hmm. the most dangerous creatures on earth. <laughs> you know, it, mm-hmm. this is... Or sometimes they are, and they still no, don't come to you. Yeah. True. They, they do yeah. have more power, and we've got lots and lots mm-hmm. of statistics to back that up. But the yep. the, the idea that a woman... Or, or or a man trying to tame that bestial type of person, that alpha, is is mm-hmm. not always mm-hmm. a happy ending. And, and that's the thing yeah. is that the romance trope, the romance genre in general, is bound mm. by the happily ever after. And yeah. it, it's the contract that the writer gives to the reader when they pick up that book is that they're going to go for yeah. a happy ride. And at the end, yep. they're going to find their true love and it's going to culminate in a moment
1: of complete satisfaction. So, the satisfactory ending is part of the romance genre. It has yes, to end. There has to be a happily way. ever after. It's not a romance unless there's a that's happily right. ever after. In and some, some form, it has to fashion. end satisfactorily.
0: Yes. And mm-hmm. usually mm-hmm. that's by an engagement or a marriage, but it doesn't always have to be that way. It could be another binding or mm. um, another way that the two are committed to each other.
1: And so we see that in Outlander because not that not a lot of romance novels, as we said, maybe I think it was episode one or two, we talked about how typically romance novels end with the marriage ceremony or something like that. And they, you know, and then they lived haf- happily ever after, or they're about to get married. You just know they're just going to be continuing on ad infinitum yeah. for the rest of rest of time. Yeah. And, but Outlander, that happens in each book as well as the entire yep. series. So each book ends with a sort of not a happily ever after it's so much so as a recommitment of and and we are yes. continuing yeah, yeah, yeah. here. Things are continuing happily in the sense that Jamie and Claire remain together. But the
0: difference together. is, and, and this is why I think Outlander is kind of the subversion to traditional romance genre. I think it's the parable. Mm-hmm. The difference is that Jamie and Claire continue. Most often mm. in the romance genre, you you, you get the, the, two, the story of the two. And it ends mm. with the culmination. It ends with the marriage. And mm-hmm. my experience <laughs> is that my life with my husband did not end with our marriage. It kind of began <laughs> with the marriage. And that Jamie yeah. and Claire actually married...
1: Yeah. They don't even know each other. She doesn't even, well, at least in the TV series, she's like, I don't even know your name. Which we know that's not true because she actually did. If she'd paid attention, or, you know, I think that was a glitch. It's kind of hard to pay attention being a 20th century woman thrown back 200 years. in the middle of a yeah. war about to start in the tv series though you see her when you know he brings her whiskey and she's like you know but i'm not a virgin kind of thing which we'll <laughs> talk about in a minute but the marriage contract clearly says james alexander malcolm Mackenzie fraser she knows if she was paying any attention there was yep. his whole name but you know would you be paying ta- oh, i don't know <laughs> i don't know i'd be paying attention if jamie were standing in front no of not with the ripply. Anyway. yeah but everything still. Yeah, but that they were married before they fall in love. So we don't see a culmination of their courtship of this budding romantic relationship prior to the wedding, which we see in typically in other romance. No, no, they,
0: their souls are not bound to each other. they they're, They don't even declare no. their love for each other
1: for a couple of hmm. months. After Yeah, she holds out a long <laughs> and, and, and time. He does, well he does too because she has. And but they, still. they, they yeah. go
0: through Cranesmure, they go through they go through mm-hmm. all kinds of mm-hmm. horrible things together without yeah. ever declaring love to each other. Without ever really declaring love to themselves. Now we don't know what Jamie was thinking yeah. at the time except in what he said to yeah. Claire. And he said that he loved mm-hmm. her the first time he saw her. But Claire sure didn't. Yeah. And she's no. she's kind of the while he seems to be dark and dangerous and somewhat of a protector, Claire is also a bit of the curmudgeon mm-hmm. here, and she's pretty dangerous, too. <laughs> and she has to be tamed. And, and, and yeah. he means to yeah. tame her. That's one of the issues with the, the spanking scene, mm-hmm. is that he means to tame yeah. her because she is not the sweet, virginal woman that he was at some point in his life hoping to marry. Or told right. to expect. And, and, and two, mm-hmm. in the eight books... And the two more that we're waiting Mm. for dr (laughs) gabaldone we still haven't reached the actual culmination of the fully satisfactory ending we haven't we have yet to read exactly how this entire story ends but it's one that continues and continues and continues and that's very different Mm. than a traditional Mm. romance novel other differences other
1: things that i think make it parabolic and
0: subversive
1: the i think it also it, the subversion of the tr- traditional romance novel in outlander is that jamie's the virgin and Claire isn't. (laughs) Isn't that great? I was just delighted by that. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so fantastic. Because Claire's the one that's knowledgeable about giving and receiving pleasure. She's the one that knows what Mm -hmm. she wants. She's not shy about asking for it. And Jamie has to be taught by an experienced Claire, whereas in in a typical romance novel, it's the man who has had the experience and he teaches this Virginal character, how to have relate, or right. how to have sex,
0: to wake her up yeah, to yeah, her passions that she to she wake never her, knew her she up. Had. That's part of that yeah, awakening. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And when Claire returns to her own time, I think it's interesting too that Jamie lives celibate for such a long time, whereas Claire in the books, you know, it's debatable in the show, but probably, you know, not, it's different that Claire continues to have an intimate relationship with Frank. So Claire's own understanding and embracing and just being dedicated to the idea that sex is important and, you know, it's part of it, I think is, is something that subverts that Right. And she, too. and she does love Frank. I mean, let's be clear. She loves yeah. him. And that's also something
0: I hadn't yeah. even thought of until just now. That is also fairly subversive for her to love two men yeah. in two different ways. Whereas in a traditional yeah. novel, a traditional romance novel, it's one man, one woman, or one woman, and, and one woman. It. There's only one for you, and that's mm. it. And and mm. this one, she's, mm-hmm. she's very much into both men. Much mm-hmm. more so to Jamie mm-hmm. because
1: especially in the first in yeah in the first book she certainly is and she's constantly trying to get back to frank i think once though (laughs) you could joke when once you've ridden the java train there's (laughs) kind of no going back there's no No, no, going back however you know she does have she still loves frank but it is in a different way it is a different relationship and and it's obvious in dragonfly and amber and and voyager that you know it's it is a if she had a choice it's right, jamie right, all the absolutely
0: way. and i think i think that goes back to the the romantic theology of what she has with frank does not mm. it's not the level of love it's not the depth of love it's not the experience of the divine that she has when she's with mm. jamie yeah it's not this
1: all-consuming passion. yeah passion intimacy frank doesn't has never struck me I, I, and i'm not a frank hater by any means but but he's never struck me as someone with whom she really shared no, no her even even with. in the first
0: novel she she loved him but they had mm. been separated for eight years right you know they've been yeah, they've been separated yeah. for throughout the war and they were just trying to figure each other out again and very different, different people yeah. Other thing to realize yeah. is that yeah. in the earlier, the 1970s, when, when romance and paperbacks blew up and became mm-hmm. this, this multi-billion dollar industry, there was a lot of rape trope in that of mm-hmm. the deep and mm-hmm. the, the dark and brooding hero raping the, her- mm-hmm. the virginal heroine and her starting to realize, hey, mm-hmm. I kind of like this. We've mm-hmm. kind of moved away from that. In a lot of the later romances yeah. because of the issue of, you know, yes means yes no and means no means no, no and yeah. getting explicit consent. Yeah. And so what you're going to find in a lot of romance novels, at least since the 90s you're going to find relationship that, that gives explicit consent. That the, the deep and dark mm-hmm. hero now has to get consent. He has to make her want this. So it's not even coercion mm-hmm. or blackmail or mm-hmm. anything like that. He has to make her want this. But from the 1970s mm-hmm. and 80s and maybe even before that, you're going to get this idea that the woman is almost always the one who's going to be raped. Or the woman is going to be yeah. the one who gives herself up for her family to the deep and dark hero, much like in Beauty and the Beast, the mythology behind that. But mm-hmm. it in this one it's Jamie that does this. Jamie mm-hmm. is is raped twice, yeah. is my argument. Blackjack mm-hmm. Randall rapes mm-hmm. him and then Geneva rapes him. Geneva blackmails mm-hmm. him and coerces him into sex. And mm-hmm. while rape is is it's it's no longer a romance trope it does still happen often to women in the romance literature so if somebody's going to get raped in most romance literature guess who it's going to be it's
1: going, it's to, be going to be the and woman and that's generally yep.
0: accepted yep. right but in this one yep. Jamie is the one that's raped.
1: And I had a I had a conversation with somebody recently who I, she her introduction to Outlanders is through the TV series, and she said she started had to stop watching at the end. You know, with with Jamie being raped, she just found it way too difficult. And then we really got into a conversation, and I'm guessing that we this conversation is not unique. I think this has happened a lot where we have a conversation with how why do we why are we okay with okay, maybe not okay, but um, deadened to more insensitive towards women being raped on TV and in the TV, you know, on shows, movies, that kind of stuff. It's horrible, obviously, but you know, we see it so often that we're desensitized to it, whereas when a man is raped, as in Jamie in the last two episodes of the season one of Outlander, it is shocking. And I I think that is so interesting and I love that Outlander and Diana Gabaldon has has subverted that that tradition or yeah. that not tradition but that that trope within the romance genre. I also I'm curious too. If there was, and if anybody knows this, let us know. If there was a convention or conference of romance writers sometime in the 80s, when they got together and said, you know what? We as writers have a social responsibility for how we portray what happens and how we are informing culture and issues around consent and rape. So was there a conscious decision from the romance writer community? Was there a conversation that took place about... We need to change how we tell the story. I'd love to know that myself. I think that's well, and really I read interesting. Something
0: too, it was from Myra Dale in a dangerous book for girls that the reasons they believe, um, one of the reasons why mm. the, the rape trope was so actually popular back in the 70s mm. and 80s. And I, I mean, I read those books too. And I found it kind of tentilating and scintillating to, to read yes. about a rape that yeah. I could enjoy which, you know, makes mm-hmm. me sick to think about it, yeah. that, that the, the idea was, okay, in the 70s, you had marriage started to completely fail, uh, no contest divorces that could be brought by either partner, not just the man, that could be brought by the partner mm-hmm. was suddenly now available to women. And women went in yeah. droves to get divorced from the husbands that mm-hmm. they've not been able to divorce because they needed his signature before. They could, they could now go and do right, this. Okay. And so that's one of the reasons why in the late 60s and early 70s, you start seeing marriage decline because women weren't going to put up with it anymore. And they now had the backing of the government to say, hey, you don't have to. So women hmm. were, were doing everything at the time. They were taking care of their kids. They were doing all this other stuff. And then they were told that they could go back to work. And oh, by the way, you have to be responsible for your own orgasms. So, <laughs> you know, so they, yeah, so there was all this, the oh, 70s were oh, such a a messy time for women and the women's movement and feminism and it was really kind of the dawning of all of that and the repercussions from all of that that the Mm -hmm. idea that a big and hunky man who's dangerous and good looking comes Mm -hmm. in and says no I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this for you and damn it you're going to like it it was kind
1: of appealing
0: a a pendulum swing
1: yeah yeah where you're having to take care of everything yourself to have someone else yeah and it also took
0: the responsibility off of you because, you know, hey, you were, mm. you were brought up to be a virgin. You were brought up to not be the slut and the slut-shaming thing going on. And so if he made you yep. do it, well, then it's rape. Mm-hmm. Then you're not then you're responsible. Not responsible. So, yeah. so there is that kind mm-hmm. of feeling. And some of it is still out there. Yeah, yeah, you can well, find yeah, it. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously you can find it at any party where a girl is drunk and they still blame her yeah. for getting raped. Yeah, I was thinking oh, yeah, <laughs> literature, <but laughs> you, yeah, yeah, can, you yeah, can find right, it in mythology absolutely. throughout. Um, not just the literature, yeah. but in our, our everyday life. Another thing that's different than the romance genre novel, the traditional romance genre novel, is The Protector. Mm-hmm. In Outlander, yeah. Claire and Jamie protect each other. Oh, I, love I that. do too. It's, it's equality in yeah. that sense. It's, it's equitable. Mm. It's, Jamie saves Claire from Blackjack Randall. She saves him, He saves her from Dougal. He, sa- he saves yeah. her from Column and from Cl- Crane's Mirror. He, he saves yeah. her from a gang of violent thugs who ultimately rapes her in the last yeah. book. Yeah, But Claire saves Jamie. Oh, it's not, it's the, not last the last one. one. It's uh, oh, not yeah yeah,
1: yeah, 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 It's yeah. breath of breath snow, snow and, ashes, of, uh, snow yeah, and yeah. ashes. Yeah,
0: But Claire yeah. also saves Jamie just as much.
1: Yeah, from from Blackjack. Everybody's <laughs> saving each other from well, Blackjack, dear Well, he is a dear very character. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, she saves him from the Bastille. She sa- uh, saves him from Wentworth Prison, from freezing to death in the wilderness of North Carolina where he's holed up after a back injury. <laughs> yeah, so they're there for each other. And so it's not just male as protector. Right. It's it, it's the both of them protecting each other, which is such a beautiful yeah. thing. I'm s- oh, that's one of, one of my favorite bits. So they
0: him. both get to be hero. They both get to mm. be the one who runs after the other.
1: I wonder, too. Just as an aside, so we talk about the dark and dangerous hero. Claire having dark hair, dark, wild, unruly oh, hair. yeah. And is that, I wonder if that was intentional or just subconscious or if it's not related. But I, that's interesting I love to me that. as Claire as hero being this dark, untamable. Yeah, and she, and she, and you she won't wear a cap. And
0: she, she won't, won't wear a hat. She just won't. And and when mm-hmm. when they shave her head for the sickness, mm-hmm. when she, she almost dies, yeah. and they shave her head, yeah. she's weak as a kitten. It's almost Samson-like. Yeah. It's almost like oh, Samson. Oh, gosh. We're making discoveries, <laughs> even as we talk. I know. Oh, we're so awesome. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's that is really very cool, cool, But her strength really is in her femininity mm-hmm. and how that hair... Mm-hmm. How that hair just goes everywhere, yeah. And 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 she, yeah. you know, the I I had an issue with the coloring of the hair scene, honestly, mm-hmm. in uh, Voyager when she colors her hair before she sees Jamie. I had some issues yeah. with that, but I I understand it. I probably would have done the same thing. I've yeah.
1: Done that. <laughs> oh, I colored my hair today. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, I've colored my hair before I was going to oh, see yeah? somebody. It was years ago, but yeah, yeah, I did that. So you know, I can't get upset yeah. about that. But still, in our hopes yeah, of hope, yeah, she would yeah. have she would have gone, but. without that. But
0: but it's totally, it's totally human. I get that. The other thing too, is that rather than watching a relationship just culminate and get to the point where we think it's just the coolest thing ever, and then they get married, we're watching the becoming of a marriage. Mm. There's this great book Mm. called Marriage as Becoming. And I read it when I was in seminary. No, I'm sorry. It's called Mm -hmm. Becoming Married. And the idea is that the right is just the right. And that you don't... Mm. Some people become married before the right. Yeah. And some people become married
1: after the right. Some people never become married after the right. Yeah. So they may have legally said the ideas, but they're, they're not, not really, really married in the sense of being committed to each other, having uh, having an intimacy and a passion exactly.
0: and a, and And yeah. I, I think that's... We watch this happen. We watch the becoming mm. rather than mm. heading to the altar or heading to the diamond or heading to the throne Mm -hmm. and 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 we watch this we 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 are along for this ride as Mm -hmm. they're going off into the sunset of their lives rather than going off into the sunset Mm. and we go along watching that love deepen
1: so we're riding into the sunset with them we're not we're not watching them get further and further right right so
0: you mentioned this and you mentioned this in one of our other podcasts about each novel there is a moment Mm. Each novel, Mm -hmm. there's a moment where they choose
1: to deepen that commitment to each other. They revisit their vows in some form or fashion, or there is a, there is almost a a re, what's that word, where you renew your vows, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, where you almost, they, they have a little marriage ceremony almost between themselves and say, yep, I'm still in this. Yep, this is what I said I would do. Yep, we're here. And that is a conscious choice that they make throughout the series that I think is beautiful. And and I see that happen in real life with people who are in what I would say are healthy relationships with one another. And they are committed to each other and it's not perfect, but they constantly are saying, you know what, we're in this. And this is what we said we'd do and we're still here. And I think that's important. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing, I think something else that challenges the, the traditions is that neither is complete without the other. So, you know, we talked about the man isn't complete without the woman in the romance genre trope. But Jamie and Claire's happiness and completeness doesn't just rely on Claire being in the relationship. It relies on the both of them. So one can't well, they can exist without the other because they obviously do, right? In Dragonfly and Amber, they exist for 20 years without the other. But there's still this element of, of the, you know, when they parted, of Jamie saying, I'm going to find you. Um, if I have to endure 200 years of purgatory, <laughs> 200 years without you, then we will we will be together. And that line, you know, so far I've lied and killed and steal,ed betrayed and broken trust. But there's one thing that shall lie in the ballast when I stand before God. I have one thing to say to weigh against all the rest. Lord, you gave me a rare woman. And God, I loved Mm, her well. That gets Um, me every time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. But being neither is complete without the other. It is not a one-sided thing. I think it it shows in other relationships, too. I think
0: so you've got the relationship between Jenny and Ian. We also, we also yeah. see that balance well, there, too. And it, it's lovely. Yeah, um, it, it, most yep. of the solid and healthy relationships that you see have got that balance. Yep. And so there's, there's this wonderful piece in Outlander, in the first book, book one, mm-hmm. the first book, um, yeah. where Jamie is talking about Ian, who has lost his leg. He was concerned because Jamie's hand, he thought he was going to lose his hand, and he was, thought he was going to end up being like Ian, and they were talking about it. And he gets, Ian does very well, things considered, but I, I knew him before. He lost his leg Mm -hmm. and he's as good as he is only because of Jenny because she keeps him whole. Mm -hmm. and Jamie looks at her and says as you did for me and
1: Mm. I cannot think why women bother (laughs) 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 and Claire yeah and Claire responds with well women like (laughs) to do that which probably is a little bit of a reference to women like to heal to tame the savage beast to you know make the man whole yeah, there is the acknowledgement that they, they do that for each other. So,
0: the other thing, yeah. too, is that Jamie
1: and Claire do not
0: follow gender expectations all the time. Mm-hmm. They, they, they break mm-hmm. the, gender, the societal gender expectations and the gender identities for the time. Yeah. Jamie takes pride in his wife's abilities Mm -hmm. and intelligence as a doctor not just a nurse not just a healer but as a doctor and and claire takes pride in jamie's capacity to nurture and be gentle with children to be gentle with the horses jamie jamie teaches her to click it do you remember (laughs) the knitting that claire never learned how to do
1: and he goes you don't know how to click it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and claire doesn't no. cook. she t- throughout the series she's like i, I don't and she care. hates laundry and
0: yeah 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 she yeah. Hates yeah, yeah. yeah yeah and they don't mm-hmm. get threatened by each other and i i have noticed this in certain relationships and i've been in relationships before where my partner was threatened by the gifts i had and threatened yep. by my very large yep. brain and yet they're not they kind of celebrate that
1: i'm just i'm thinking of the the, the sperm scene <laughs> Where, you know, I was just thinking, you know, he defers to her her knowledge, and some of that is knowledge because she's come from the future, and other parts is just she knows more. Yes! And so, the sperm scene, I think, is a perfect example of that. Not only does she know more because she was in the future and the research (laughs) has gone there and they've got microscopes and all that kind of stuff, but he also is like, yeah, I trust your judgment on this, but I'm going to believe you about germs and I'm going to believe you about sperm. Even though he can't see them. Can you just make sure they get a good burial? (laughs) He can't
0: see the wee beasties. (laughs) But once he sees them, all of a sudden. (laughs) Yeah. And the best yeah, part is that yeah. she doesn't have to become masculine to do this. He no, doesn't have to become no. feminine to do this. They're both still very much no. comfortable as their gender. And and mm-hmm, that's that's mm-hmm. important to that, that's that's revolutionary now. Particularly as people are becoming more comfortable with who they are gender-wise and the idea that they that you can cross some of these societal boundaries and still maintain the comfort level of your own gender. I think that's that's vital particularly for our society.
1: And still be yes, loved. Yes, yes, yes. And still be accepted and love each other without yes, shame. Yeah yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. So there's there's this really wonderful quote that I think you found on a
1: I did. There's somebody on Tumblr. Not even joking right now. As her title, his or her title. This was a post from back in May 2016. But they they say both have bodies that have been physically torn apart, meaning Jamie and Claire, both have internal scars. This is a mature relationship. They face their first real loss together in reference to faith. Yeah, they lost faith, Um, which is a pretty big deal. Yeah, it was. A loss that was a part of both Jamie and a part of Claire. And when Jamie asked, must I bear everyone's weakness? Can I not have my own? Here, he answers his own question where he'll never have his own weakness. He'll always help bear Claire's weaknesses and she'll bear his Together yeah. in relation to the situation of losing faith. Yeah. I think that's beautiful, and that's our great observation. Yeah. Well, there was another quote that was, it was a reference to the TV series, and it was from the AV Club, but saying that romance does, or Outlander does romance really well, but it doesn't romanticize the grimmer aspects of the story. You've got this lavish world, but that's also full of terrors, one that has real and lasting implications for its characters, and the ugly parts of the world are dealt with. And are just as pertinent to the narratives as the beautiful parts, and that, I, uh, yeah, Outlander does that really well to just reiterate. I, th- I, I think that is one of the one of the joys of the series is that it doesn't cover up. It doesn't, despite the romance, it doesn't romanticize. The the last thing,
0: and and this is the, the most important piece of romance theology, is that Jamie and mm. Claire experience the divine when they're with each other. Mm. And and you had the
1: quotes at the end of the last podcast. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, about you know um, feeling like God Himself when he's inside her. Yeah, 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 yeah. But he also asks at the end. This is the the first book. There's oh gosh, there's a few actually. But so a couple days after they're married, you know, Jamie asks Claire if it's a if it's usual what they feel or what he what he feels for her is always so between a man and a woman and then he says something like i see why the church says it's a sacrament because i feel like god himself yeah yeah and then later on he comes to her later and says um when i come to you needing and you take me into you with a sigh and that quiet hum like a hive of bees in the sun and you carry me with you into peace with a little moaning sound that just this this feeling of Peace and wellness and wholeness. And again, yeah, experience of the divine, I think you could yeah, say. Yeah, experiencing of shalom,
0: which is the peace, the well-being, mm. the, the thing that you're always kind mm. of aiming towards in the Old Testament, this whole idea mm. of of the, mm. the the coming home, right?
1: Mm. Right. And, and yeah. So yeah. In,
0: in Dragonfly and Amber, after she has had sex with Louis, so that she could have a secure release for Jamie from the Bastille, they come together again and... Jamie confronts her and realizes that hey, mm-hmm. I, I know that you've had a, an affair with—not really an affair, but that you have.
1: Yeah, but you've had, you've to, sleep had to sleep with, with someone else, yeah. and this
0: is the reason. And mm-hmm. and so she asks him to claim her again, and mm-hmm. and he does, mm-hmm. and and it's it's not. A romantic moment by any stretch of the imagination Mm -hmm. it's it's kind of a hard one to read Mm -hmm. the way diana wrote writes it is Mm -hmm. i would have wept for his hurt and for mine had i been able but his eyes held mine tearless and open Mm -hmm. boundless as the salt sea his body held mine captive driving me before his strength like the west wind in the sails of a bark and i voyaged into him and he into me so that when the last small storms of love began to shake me he cried out and we rode the waves together as one flesh and saw ourselves in each other's eyes. That's very sacramental. Mm. That's very sacramental talk of the body and taking the body into you
1: and just becoming something more because the two are together. And in Voyager too, you get the, this is one of those scenes where you, where they're repeating the marriage vows. So, you know, she's saying I'm committed to only you and or no, he says, only you, and to worship you with my body, to give you all the service of my hands, to give you my name, my heart and soul with it, only you. So it's this declaration of, oh, forsake all others, right? Right, 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 you're blood of my blood. Yeah, and, and that's what they say. So, you know, she says, you're not alone anymore. And they revisit the, I swore to you when we married, I didn't mean it then, but I swore and now I mean it. And they repeat that, blood of my blood, bone of my bone. You see that in... In each of the books, there's a revisit of and those and that's words. sacramental
0: too. I mean, we talk about it we is. talk about taking the body and blood of Christ whenever we take the Eucharist, yeah. and so this mm-hmm. is extremely sacramental. This is a moment that yeah. is is very very it raises to a higher level. And and what what we mean by sacramental, what I mm-hmm. mean by sacramental, is that a sacrament mm-hmm. is the divine coming through something ordinary, mm-hmm. and so this mm-hmm. so marriage. It's considered a sacrament because God comes in and is a part of that. And so the divine is is seen in that. But but this is something more. Mm-hmm. This is the divine in a moment between them. This is the divine in a sex act. So the sex act actually mm-hmm. becomes sacramental. and mm-hmm. And then just the idea of holding someone's hand becomes sacramental. Mm-hmm. The ordinary, the divine comes through the ordinary through this relationship. And and the Mm. last one that I, maybe not the last one, but at least the one that I'm going to talk about. There's There's loads of these and we could go on and on forever on this one. But in A Breath of Snow and Ashes, when Claire almost dies and Jamie Mm. is just fraught with the fact that she almost died. And he he comes back expecting her to have been dead and she is up and moving and uh, sort of awake. He puts on a good front for a little while and then he collapses. And Mm. these are the words. That Diana Gabaldone writes, I heard the thump as he knelt down beside me and I reached out blindly for him, pulled his head against my breast. He pulled his arms around me and sighed deeply, his breath warm on my skin through the linen of my shift. I stroked his hair with one trembling hand, and felt him give way suddenly, all the tension going out of him like water running from a jug. I had the oddest feeling then, as though the strength he had clung to had now been let go and was flowing into me. My tenuous Mm. grip on my own body firmed as I held his, and my heart ceased wavering, taking up instead its normal, solid, tireless beating. So we're talking Mm. almost like a healing here. We're we're, we're talking about this moment... Between a man who thought he lost his wife and had been holding on to a strength from a source mm-hmm. he didn't
1: know and then giving it to his mm-hmm. wife. I'm reminded of that sacrifice aspect yes. that we were talking about in the last episode. Oh, it is. Beautiful. She just. Yeah. Oh, and I just cried my eyes out the first time. <laughs> well, every time I read that section. <sighs> so we've got some um well we're finishing up for this episode i think Uh, we've we've got loads more to share but we're gonna put this in bite-sized chunks for you so we will stop for now but the episode uh ends each time with some survey questions and so we've got just two questions for this episode because we recognize that these questions are a bit Maybe a bit deeper, maybe a bit personal, maybe require a bit more thought, and so we don't want to overwhelm you with it. So, if you'll go to our website and this episode's page, the questions will be there on the bottom. We would love to hear what you think and be able to contribute to our research and how Outlander has shaped the lives of its fans and its people, the people who read it. So, first question is what other examples? Can you think of other than the ones we've given that illustrate how Jamie and Claire's relationship is different? What what makes it special? And then the second question is, do you see any similarities or differences to Jamie and Claire's deepening relationship over the years to your own romantic relationships? You may not, and if you don't, we we'd like to know that because we think that's useful yeah. information. If you do, that's also useful information. And so we're really curious. Do you see any similarities or differences to Jamie and Claire's deepening relationship over the years to your own relationships? Yeah. So
0: Now, we've spent four episodes talking about romance theology, <laughs> romance as genre. Mm. We've been talking about how we're actually going to establish this lens through which we are going to be looking at Outlander and the series and this, this overarching story and, and, and how it's a legitimate series right how this is a legitimate thing Mm. and that it's it's Mm -hmm. okay and that
1: romance is important and that romance is important and it
0: is allowed in the hallowed halls of theological discourse (laughs) so we're going to be digging deeper in future episodes and we're going to be digging deeper in Mm. things like sexuality and feminism
1: and community Mm. and being an outlander and violence and trauma and justice and forgiveness and how all that works out both in the series and how we think about that theologically. Yeah, so, And again, we promised you something on predestination and free will.
0: which is always a sticky, sticky wicket. And then there's just loads and loads of (laughs) biblical references that are written throughout, and we would like to explore some of those as well.
1: We will probably refer to some of that as we've gone along and as we've already done, um, you know, like the references that Jamie had to Proverbs and a few others previously. But yeah, we want to look specifically at how Outlander uses the Bible or how... Diana has referenced the Bible in the series. A couple of other things that we plan on looking at too is around sort of religious conflict and maybe conflict in general and sectarianism and encounters with other faiths. So Catholicism versus Protestantism, Celtic spirituality and paganism is in the series, Native American religions. Another thing I noticed or I just sort of forgot about, we mentioned Jamie's encounter with Judaism and Islam through Hugh Monroe and Lawrence Stern and the Rothschild coin dealer, but also his encounter with Confucianism and Buddhism through Willoughby. Um, I had completely forgotten about that, maybe because I've just blocked the Willoughby character out of my head. He's a problematic Um, character. Which we'll talk about that later too. (laughs) Yes, Um, yes, yes. yes. And there's also, we, you know, it's not in the... Official list, but I think there's also some scope around talking about ethnicity and how that's portrayed, racism, and and that kind of stuff. Yeah, particularly as they're heading down um, into
0: the West Indies and and the slave yeah. trade being so rife at the
1: time. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, and in and in the colonial U.S. or U.S. Yeah. at the time too, and a lot of that we probably will ca- catch when we're talking about the experience of being an Outlander and the one being uh, and being an yeah. exile and how that is all right. connected. There's there's loads to come, guys. There's loads here, which is why we said you know Outlander is a generative text and it's got some gifts to give us, and we want to pick it apart and think about it and connect it with a lens of religion, theology, and spirituality and kind of highlight shine some light on on the stuff that's there so
0: all right so we will see you next time on episode five when we'll be talking about what it means to be an outlander
1: so that's it for this episode of outlander soul thanks for listening we'd
0: really appreciate it if you'd review us on itunes or wherever you get your podcast as it helps people
1: find us if you listen and like what you hear please consider supporting us via patreon just click on the support us button at the top of the page at outlandersoul.com And every little bit helps. Also, we'd love to hear your questions, thoughts, and
0: ideas. Part of the work we're doing is gathering data on how fans interact with and value Outlander in their lives. So we're interested in what you have to say.
1: And we know Outlander fans have a lot to say.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So please respond to our survey questions found on our website related to this episode or follow the links on Facebook, Twitter, or
1: Tumblr. You can also contact us by email at outlandersoulpodcast at gmail.com or via our website at outlandersoul.com. Thanks again, everyone.
0: We'll see you in two weeks. Later. Bye.